Turn with me to the book of Leviticus, chapter 17. Now, I'd like you to consider this question. What is the most precious thing and that which is of the greatest value on planet Earth? Um, It would seem to be quite possibly gold. Gold is going pretty high through the roof here. Gold is something that's very precious. But it's interesting in God's economy that gold is, in fact, going to be something that paves the streets of the New Jerusalem. So in God's economy, gold is the most precious thing we consider. Gold is really about equal to cement in heaven's standards. Uh, So not that precious. So is it gems? Is it jewels? What is the most precious thing in all of God's created order? And Leviticus chapter 17 tells us what, in fact, God considers the most precious thing to be honored and revered, and that is blood. The blood. Because as God shows us in Leviticus chapter 17 that life is in the blood. And the blood is the most precious thing that we are to understand in all of life. Life is sacred, and life comes through the blood within every human being, and we understand that eventually it is the very blood of God that saves all mankind. So what is most precious to God is the blood. And I would imagine that in your life, the most precious thing that you have is blood. Because without it, you ain't got nothing. So uh, blood is important to you too. It's interesting that William Harvey discovered the circulatory system in the 1600s. William Harvey, as he was uh, considering dissecting cadavers and human beings, and it wasn't being done that often, he discovered that in fact The heart was a muscle that pumped blood through a circulatory system that went into your extremities and back into the heart to reoxygenate and then go back through. They hadn't known this. They didn't realize. In fact, William Harvey, if you look at some of his notes, realized that life is in the blood. Leviticus chapter 17 told us that a long time ago. Science only comes to the knowledge of backing that up. But we understand that life is in the blood. And so as we discern that, I'd like you to look at chapter 17. And there's a few things that God wants to deal with with the children of Israel. Chapter 17 is a transitional chapter in the book of Leviticus. If you'll remember, the chapters leading up to this had everything to do with how to approach God in fellowship through the sacrifice, through the tabernacle, through the priesthood, and the offerings that were made so that we could be in the presence and approach a holy God and have fellowship with Him. And we saw those things that were unclean before God a couple weeks ago. So now, chapter 17 is a transitional chapter because after this chapter, we're now going to look at things that are holy in our lives, how to live a holy life. And so we come to the end of the priesthood and the sacrifices and the offerings and the meeting with God, and the climax of that is chapter 17 to declare that all of this is wrapped up in the blood. The blood, the blood. 
You and I are in the sin of original sin through Adam because of the blood. And Acts chapter 17 says that we are one people, one mankind through one blood. And that is the blood of Adam. But how many of you know that the blood of Jesus was untainted by the blood of Adam? Because he was of the seed of God. Though born in a woman, the mother's blood never mingles with the baby's blood. And so Christ's blood was pure and free from the sin of Adam. And so his blood was pure and spotless. And so chapter 17 shows us the importance of the blood and how we are to honor life as sacred. And so uh, Moses goes on to explain the blood. And what he says is this, the blood of the sacrificial animals. In in verses 3 through 7, he says that you cannot kill those sacred animals anywhere apart from the tabernacle. You can't take a goat, you can't take a lamb, you can't take a cow, you can't take the clean animals, and you can't sacrifice them, you cannot kill them, even on your own property. You are not to do that, because they are all to be sacred, all life is sacred, and if you want to kill one of your animals for food, you still must bring it to the tabernacle, to the priests, so that they will properly slaughter it as a fellowship offering, The priests will have their portion, and you will have your portion, and God will have his portion. The concept is to remember that all life comes from God, and we are responsible to steward that life. That is a message that needs to be heard in this nation today, that life is sacred. And I'll tell you what, the minute you begin to remove yourself from God, we begin to offend God by how we treat others and the sanctity of life. And God wanted to make sure that His people, Israel, would keep sacred life and the blood. The blood is sacred. And so even those animals that were clean to be sacrificed had to be brought to the tabernacle of God. You couldn't go out in your garage. I don't know if tents have garages, but at that time, you couldn't go out even outside the camp and kill an animal for your own consumption. Oh, God wasn't begrudging you food, but he still wanted it done properly and orderly. He also said the blood of all other sacrifices must be poured out, uh, cannot be poured out anywhere else but the altar of God. He also stipulated that you cannot eat blood. You cannot drink blood. Because again, he wants it known to the Israelites and in their understanding that the life of the animal is in the blood. It is sacred. It is holy. It is not to be eaten. And of course, as they were entering into the land of the Canaanites, Amorites, Philistines, and so forth, many of them sacrificed animals to their gods and idols and would drink blood. They had no concept of the value of the blood and the life. And last of all, he gave them admonition that since the blood of an animal not slaughtered by man is not poured out properly, eating the meat of this animal makes the person unclean and requires a washing. In other words, if you're wandering, uh, walking, and going somewhere, and you happen to see a raccoon dead, roadkill, in other words, (laughs) run over by an Egyptian chariot, or whatever may have happened. A coyote may have attacked some animal, some beast. You don't know how long it's been laying there. You're thinking, oh, good food. God's saying, please, no. No, 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 no. 
don't eat that. And he said, because of the blood that was spilt, it is unclean. Now, this is the genius of God. Not only is he teaching them the sanctity of life, he's also also teaching them hygiene and proper eating of cleanliness. Do you know how many diseases you can get if food is improperly processed and cooked? I mean, this is just the intelligence of God blessing us to know and to speak to Israel to be healthy and clean. Remember, never forget, according to Deuteronomy, all other nations will be amazed at the law of God and how it protects his people. All nations will be amazed at how your God has protected you and kept you healthy. And so there is hygiene and dietary rules within the law of God for this nation that preserved them in health. But we'll go back to the main point of what is being spoken here, and that is the blood, the blood, the blood. Here's the reason why he says this. If you'll look in verse 17, verse 5. Verse 17, verse 5 is, This is so the Israelites will bring the Lord the sacrifices they are now making in the open fields. They must bring them to the priests, that is, to the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and sacrifice them as fellowship offerings. And he goes on to say this in verse 7, they must no longer offer any of their sacrifices to the goat idols to whom they prostitute themselves. This is to be a lasting ordinance for them and for the generations to come. You see, Israel, young in its escape from Egypt, was still sacrificing animals to idols. They learned this in Egypt. And God was trying to rid them of these pollutions and offenses in the true worship to the one God. And so he was not allowing them to sacrifice animals out in the fields and out in their areas and districts. You must bring it to the house of the Lord and you must understand all life comes from God. All cleansing of sin comes from God and there are no other idols. They are demons. And you are not to participate in that kind of activity. And so God is instructing a nation on what is sacred. Would you look at verse 11 with me? And see this amazing verse. Leviticus 17, verse 11. For the life of a creature is in the blood. Now here's the rest of it. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. That is an essential verse. The life is in the blood and it is the blood that I have given you as an atonement for sin. So blood is sacred. Blood is powerful. Blood is the provision for anointing. And we know that all of that points to one person, doesn't it? And one blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. For all of creation is under the oppression of sin. But the blood of Jesus has set free not only mankind from sin and death, but also all the animals and all of creation is set free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so God ordained it and created all things to function through this blood and for our salvation to come through the blood. 
Our life is in the blood, brothers and sisters. Do you get it? Do you see what God was doing? Our life, our salvation is through the blood. Our faith is in the blood of Jesus. That is why we're saved. It's not just because you believe about Jesus. It's not just because you know information about Jesus, but you rest wholly your faith upon the shed blood of Jesus. It is the blood and the blood alone that cleanses you from sins. It's not your ability to pray well. It's not your ability to grasp deep things in the Word of God. The only reason you and I are saved from our sin is because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's what our faith is wholly resting on. I'm saddened that many churches don't speak of the blood anymore. They say that if you'll do this, and if you'll do that, if you'll tithe, you'll be right with God. If you say this prayer, your sins are forgiven. If you do these activities, you'll get right with fellowship. There is only one thing that settles the justice of God and cleanses you from all sin. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't ever go astray from that or taught anything else. It's the blood and the blood alone. Now, I want you to know how powerful blood is. For the shedding of innocent blood can pollute the land. The demons operate in bloodshed. They want to see a curse brought to the land. They know that according because of the law of God and how precious and sacred life is, which is in the blood, they know that if they can get someone to shed blood in a wrong manner, there will be a curse in the land. And I want to tell you, that's our problem in America today. Look at what uh, Numbers 35 says. Verses 30 to 33 says, you can write this down and look it up later, but Numbers 35 says, So you shall not pollute the land in which you are, for blood pollutes the land, and no expiation can be made for the land for the blood that is shed on it, except by the blood of him who shed it. What that verse tells us is that when there is bloodshed, Murder, also even, and we'll go to this in a minute, even the blood of animals when God said it wasn't supposed to be shed, that it is now called blood guiltiness. Blood guilt is upon the land. And there are times when in the law it says you've come across an animal that is dead or even a human being that is dead and you don't know who committed the murder. You don't know how they died. It could have had an accident. The elders of the town will come forth and bring a sacrifice to cleanse the land from the curse of bloodshed. And so if the life is in the blood and it is wrongly taken, then there is blood guilt in the land. It says this in Genesis chapter 9, verses 5 and 6, Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood by man's blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. God is speaking of the sanctity of life and that 
The life is in the blood. Therefore, we are to regard blood as sacred. Have you looked at our entertainment lately? It is blood-stained. Our entertainment is murder and killing. Kids' favorite video games are all about blood and killing, murdering. Oh, it's only fantasy. Well, I don't know what you're fantasizing about. But it's about the shedding of blood and life and killing and death. This is the entertainment. And it pollutes the land. And may I say, brothers and sisters, that I personally believe that the reason America is in the shape it's in is because of blood guilt, because of the shedding of innocent blood in this land. In this land. May I even say uniquely to Michigan and in this state and in these cities round about us, the amount of bloodshed that has polluted this land. We can start with the American Indians and how the bloodshed has come to uh, really come against the American Indian throughout the history of Detroit and Michigan and the United States. Also, the history of the United States concerning African Americans and slavery and the bloodshed that took place there, as well as the process called eugenics. If you've not looked into eugenics, the United States is the uh, king of the eugenics movement. Eugenics is the process of genocide. And African Americans were targeted with eugenics in American history. It was the purpose of many of the elite to eliminate African Americans or blacks from this country. Look at its history. They were so, in, uh, so evolved in their concepts of eugenics that there was another country that was extremely impressed with the ideology and adopted it for their own use. That was Hitler in Nazi Germany, who took the eugenic principles from the United States of America and the processes they had developed to eliminate blacks and began to use it over in Germany to exterminate the Jews. This eugenics became a bit offensive after Nazi Germany, so they changed their propaganda and their efforts, and they now called it Planned Parenthood. And they changed their speech from eugenics to family planning. Of course, their target still remained blacks or African Americans. And that's why most abortion clinics are located in inner cities and on the fringes of the inner cities so that they could target the elimination of those who are, well, as they say, undesirable. It's been a process and an effort, the bloodletting and the blood killing. And then you begin to begin moving into the amount of murder and manslaughter and crime. There's blood all over this land, brothers and sisters. And it is an atrocity. Abraham Lincoln understood this. He understood the dynamic of what was taking place. He understood Scripture. And in his second inaugural speech, he said that the reason 600,000 men died during the Civil War was this. Uh, Abraham Lincoln says, Fondly do we hope, fervently do we pray, that this scourge of war may speedily pass away. But if God wills, that it continues till every drop of blood drawn by the lash 
slavery, must be repaid, drawn by the sword. Let it be said that the judgment of the Lord are righteous and true altogether. He understood that the reason there was a civil war and that there was a reason for so many men dying in this fight was because of blood guilt in the land. Because of slavery. 600,000 men died. Now, Lou Engel asks this question. If 600,000 men died in the day of reckoning because of the bloodshed of slavery, what is God going to do to America at the reckoning of 54 million babies that are aborted since Roe v. Wade? Could it be that our economic structure would begin to collapse? Could it be that natural disasters would come against this land that would not be protected? Could it be that there is a necessary judgment for the blood guilt in the land because there is no uh, sacred value to life? That in the womb, babies are ripped out and aborted, and when pe people are elderly and too long uh, living in life, we will get rid of them and exterminate them. Also, the process of trying to eliminate those who don't have a value of life, which will now begin. You've seen the starving of those people in hospitals who don't have a value to life and uh, causing people to die and those who are mentally handicapped not understanding the value of life. When's it going to stop? There's blood guilt in this land, brothers and sisters, and God told us to esteem the blood and value it. In other words, every human life has value. Blood talks from the ground. The blood of Abel cried out for justice. But I want you to know that the church is to be in a place of mediation, to cry out to God and repent of the sins of our land. If my people, who are called by my name, would repent from their sins and cry out to God. I will hear from heaven and what? Heal their land. Heal their what? Their land. Something's wrong with the land. Something's wrong with the land. It needs to be cleansed. The church is the people, the mediators, the priesthood that is to cry out for our land. We must cry out for this nation that there's been too much bloodshed there's been too much hatred. We must cry out. And because the blood cries out like Abel for justice, I want you to know there's a better blood that was shed. There is a blood that was given to cleanse all land and all sin. It's the blood of Jesus Christ who purchased this land with His blood, who can cleanse this land from its murderous ways. The blood of Jesus is what we must plead. The blood of Jesus is what we must cry out. We must cry it out to a new generation. We must teach them about the blood. The church has got to begin speaking about the blood of Jesus once again. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1.18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. There is nothing more powerful in this universe than the blood of Jesus Christ. It's what purchased this universe. In fact, when John is crying as to who is worthy to take the land deed and the scroll that is the ownership of all that is created, he wept because there was no man. But the angel said, oh, do not weep. 
for the lion of the tribe of Judah has purchased it. And as he turned to see the lion of the tribe of Judah, he said he saw one as a lamb that had been slain. And Jesus went to the Ancient of Days and took the scroll, and he alone is worthy to unroll it. And all the angels began to sing about the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus. That's our only hope for America. That's our only hope for Michigan. That's our only hope for Detroit, Roseville, Warren, uh, Clinton Township, wherever you live. The only hope is the blood of Jesus. It will cleanse this land. We must pray for it. We must live up to it. And we must honor it. I conclude with this. The warning that Paul, or the writer of Hebrews, gave to Israel in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, as he was speaking to Israel to accept Jesus as the Messiah, as many of them began to put faith in the Lord Jesus, they were considering leaving Jesus Christ. And he says this as a warning to them. And I believe it's a warning to the church today. Do you know we have many in church who confess to be Christians, but they are not. They've not been born of God's Spirit, though they have followed the principles of Christianity. I believe there is a day coming where the bloodline is being drawn. Either you respect the blood or you do not. And this line will bring persecution. This line will bring a difference between those who claim to be Christians and those who are truly blood-bought. He says this in Hebrews 10, 26, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. If you claim to be a Christian, you went to church, you heard truth, you claim your identity in Christ, but you purposely keep on sinning, there will be no place of forgiveness for you. Because if you continue to sin, he says, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy. How much more severely do you think man deserves to be punished who trampled the Son of God underfoot? and has treated an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctifies, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. If you say you're a Christian, but you keep on sinning, you are trampling the sacred blood of the only thing that atones for sin. So we have a lot of people who claim Christianity, a lot of people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but they keep on sinning in a lifestyle. They perpetuate unholy living. That is trampling the blood of Jesus. And that is truly the dividing line as to who is saved and who is not. The people who follow Jesus uphold the blood of Jesus as sacred and holy. I know you will fall and I know you will sin, but you deem the blood of Jesus your only hope and your only salvation. It is those who claim to be Christians who say, yeah, whatever grace forgives me, I'm good, I'm clean. I can be in adultery and continue on. I can be homosexual and continue on. I can be a liar and a thief and continue on. I can be a gossiper and a slander and continue on. I can live an unclean life and continue on. Where's the blood? trampling the blood my question to you then is are you saved are you saved 
you must know the blood and the bloodline, and you must hold the blood sacred and not offer the sacred blood of Jesus Christ and take the name of the Lord in vain. To say, I'm a Christian, and to continue to pollute your life and the testimony of Jesus is not the act of a saved person. So test and see, brothers and sisters. Make sure of your calling and election. And may I do it in this manner. May I draw a bloodline in front of you today, the very precious blood of Jesus Christ, and ask you, do you claim that blood more sacred than your sin and your vice? Do you claim the blood as your only hope? Will you trample this blood? Will you step upon this blood or will you hold it sacred? And that's what Leviticus 17 calls out for. A people who will hold blood as sacred. Understand we are in the days when the blood of Jesus is our only hope. It's our only solution. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can revive the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody's looking for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will only point to one thing. The blood of Jesus Christ. That is His ministry. The only reason you and I have gifts of the Holy Spirit is so that we can declare the salvation of God which is through the blood of Jesus. If you want revival in this land, if you want healing in this land, we don't need more outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need a revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ and its cleansing power. Oh, may the church of God no longer trample this blood, but honor it above all things. Let us bow our heads.